I'm trying to decentralize myself, have one of me in Australia, one of me in, in Asia, <laughs> one of me in Central America. So if anyone can figure out how to do that, I would be appreciative. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics podcast. It's Ferris and Gordon here once again. The price of Bitcoin on the 1st of March is 43,330 US dollars. The block height is 725,361. Satoshis per dollar is 2,308 Satoshis. Now, Gordon, um, good to see you again. It's been a while. It has. For those uh, watching, you can see the background exactly the same. We're recording a few episodes in a row here. But we're, we're trying to um, not get political here, but we definitely need to touch on what's happening at the moment. I mean, um, the, fr- from a positive point of view, for, from a Bitcoin point of view, it's super bullish. Um, you're talking about you know R- Ukraine and Russia. You're talking about um, bank accounts being frozen for the Freedom Rally in Canada and whatever. We'll try to stay away from the politics, Faris, as best we can. I know you, it's going to be hard. But, I don't want um, to dox you, but you must be back in Australia because three things you don't talk about in Australia, money, politics, and religion. Well, I like talking about all three. I don't care where <laughs> I am. Um, so let's stay clear of at least the politics. But um, recent events in Canada, I think, have um, basically made – well. There's something called the Streisand effect. Uh, do you know what that is? And do we need to explain that? The Streisand effect. I think you do. Yeah. Uh, so um, Barbara Streisand back in the day, you know, whenever it was, um, the paparazzi took a picture of her brand new home. And it was, you know, a picture that showed, you know, her opulence and, and whatever. For whatever reason, she didn't want that publicized. And she was basically hounding the paparazzi, you know, not to publish it or whatever. But it had the exact opposite effect. And, one of the, um, the photos got leaked onto the internet and then someone else copied it, someone else copied it. And, and I guess the, the analogy is if you are trying to hide something, the more you try and hide it, the more people will, oh, why, why are you trying to hide it? Sort of shines a spotlight on that particular issue. So it had the exact opposite effect of what she wanted. She wanted the photo banned, but it just the photo just spread across the internet. So I think this is what's happening with Bitcoin. Banks accounts are getting frozen. Um, you've got the prime minister in Canada um, asking CEOs, Coinbase, and a couple others, I think maybe even Kraken, to um, you know do something about users' accounts or whatnot. It's the Streisand effect. They're shining a light on what the problem is with the fiat system and what the solution is, Bitcoin. Yeah, and this has been what's happened in Bitcoin just in the last uh six weeks has just been phenomenal um we me and gordon were talking about this yesterday and i said what's happening now we're seeing um central bank digital um currencies going from rumor to pretty much going to happen and starting to happen with digital identities um and yet with canada just uh yeah, so banning and banning, sorry, closing banning accounts that donate into truck rally and doing it retroactively. So if six weeks ago, before the Emergencies Act was enacted, if you gave $23 towards a freedom convoy, 
Well, that is now considered a crime and your bank account will be frozen. Not only that, they're also uh, with the truckers closing their uh, business accounts, personal accounts, and from what I read, even canceling the car insurance. Um, so this, well, this led to two things. One was, uh, I was actually surprised we can get more of a bump in the price of Bitcoin when we saw it, when that was announced. Uh, but someone also commented, what's the point of sending the Freedom Convoy in Canada Bitcoins if they can't spend it? Uh, you need a closed economy to do that. Uh, yes and no. So you don't always need a Bitcoin ATM. You, you know, you, you know, it helps to have a shopping center, supermarket, accept Bitcoin. But there are alternatives, aren't there, Gordon? And I'm thinking specifically of... Um, we showed it on the show before these Bitcoin debit cards. So how do they work? If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Yeah, I mean, a closed economy is actually getting bigger and bigger. So we shouldn't just dismiss that. You know, people are actually selling and buying and selling stuff, um, Bitcoin uh, for goods and services, but aside from that, yeah, I mean the last the last mile is the the problem. Um, you can send crypto or Bitcoin uh, to the bill in the face, but someone needs to actually spend that. Um, as you mentioned, Bitcoin debit cards, yeah, I mean they they kind of are what they say they are. Uh, with a normal debit card, you need to have those funds in your account. With a Bitcoin debit card, you need to have the amount of Bitcoin in your account. But the huge advantage is, let's say you send two hundred dollars US to your Bitcoin worth of Bitcoin to your Bitcoin uh, debit card, you know, through an app or a website. Um, most of them are Visa MasterCard. And so you could go to an ATM, you could go to a restaurant, you could go to basically anywhere online where MasterCard or Visa is accepted and use that debit card just as if it was a normal uh, credit card, actually. So um, I've actually used one. I've, I've used one in Southeast Asia and I went to a local ATM with my, it was a crypto card, which I've gone off then, but that's another story that we'll cover on another day. And I had a couple of hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin loaded onto that card. I went to the ATM. I selected the credit card option to withdraw from, and I withdrawed local currency from it. So um, that doesn't require, you know, sort of bank accounts or anything like that. It was just me sending money, well, actually Bitcoin from an exchange straight to my card and then um, from the card going to the ATM. So, uh, sorry, that's a long-winded way that's saying as long as a place accepts, say, Visa or MasterCard, which are the two sort of major ones, you can use Bitcoin. Yeah, and I mentioned this on the show before. I've been using a Wirex card as well, and um, we've been trying to get them on the show, actually. We'll stop they need to sponsor this show for the amount of mentions. I know, they do. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's quite a few uh, options out there as far as a debit card. And interestingly enough, um, the when the Emergencies Act was enact, um, enacted, the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada announced that they were going to expand the Anti-Money Laundering Act to include digital assets. And they actually requested of the um, crypto companies to freeze wallets. And the crypto companies basically responded, even if we wanted to, we couldn't. One response, I can't remember who it was, one responded simply, no, that was the answer. Um, so it was very much a, yeah, you kind of need to educate yourself here that we don't work like conventional banks. We, yeah, we can't just freeze someone's Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. So again, you've got the Streisand effect. The problem, having my bank account frozen 
the government telling us what the solution is. It's contacting a, a Bitcoin exchange or a Bitcoin wallet to unfreeze it. I mean, the government is literally telling you to stop using our currency and buy and use Bitcoin. Yeah, and then the, like the very next that the very next day after they announced the Emergencies Act, um, all their main banks in uh, Canada went down. You couldn't actually log in to access your funds. We're seeing the same thing in Ukraine now. We're seeing a run on the banks to access um, cash. And unfortunately, we're going to see they're estimating up to 4 million refugees from the Ukraine. And it's not safe for them to be carrying cash. It's not safe for them to be carrying gold around. Um, with Bitcoin, it is the safest option. All you got to do is remember a password. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a it's a complete humanitarian disaster. Um, but from a from a freedom and from a Bitcoin point of view, as you said, Faris, a lot of these wallets even have twelve words. You just need to memorize twelve words in your head, and you can cross a border or beat a refugee mm-hmm. camp or whatever with you know whatever Bitcoin you've got. Um, that's remarkable. We've never ever had that in history. We've had a money that you can control hundred percent and. You know, there's a meme going around. It's been going around for years and years with Bitcoin, like be your own bank. But it literally is be your own bank. Like you mm. can cross a border with 12 words and, um, yeah, you're carrying your, your life savings or, or whatever with that. But, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this is sort of the, I mean, I, did, I mean, uh, Bank of England the other day said that um, they really want uh, politicians to draft legislation towards, you know, central bank digital currency um, one of the, I don't know who it was, but someone in the Bank of England was talking about programmable money and they, they gave the explanation of um, it's like giving pocket money to your children, but ensuring that your children only spend money on, you know, the bus ticket or whatever, they can't buy sweets. Mm. But we yeah. want that for our economy. You know, we want that for our people. So this is the tip of the iceberg. This is the start of it. And um, yeah, I, I'm not going to say like it's going to get worse, but I'm just going to say that um, there will be a day, and I've been saying this for years, that you won't be able to withdraw your Bitcoin mm. from an exchange. Now, you can at the moment, you know, Coinbase and Binance and Kraken and whatnot, they're sort of resisting some of them more than others. I wouldn't say Coinbase. Mm. Um, but yeah, eventually they're just going to be regulated so much that they're going to become a PayPal. And at the moment, you can buy Bitcoin with PayPal. You can transfer money to your PayPal account, you can buy Bitcoin. You can even sell Bitcoin with your PayPal account. But guess what you can't do? You can't actually withdraw Bitcoin from a PayPal account. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to form this two versions of Bitcoin where you've got Bitcoin on exchanges and in regulated third parties, and you've got Bitcoin in non-custodial wallets, like your hardware wallet. Not only will you um, be have total freedom and control over those Bitcoin, there's probably, and I could be wrong, but there's probably going to be a massive premium on sourcing Bitcoin that is actually non-custodial, like not trapped in these third parties and exchanges. Well, I mean, just last week, Jesse Powell, who was the CEO of Kraken, the exchange, um, and founder of founder of the exchange, actually came out and said, get your Bitcoins off exchanges. So I don't know what loud and clear message you want than the CEO of an old exchange saying, get your Bitcoin off exchanges. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Kraken and they've sort of always been privacy focused and they've always um, encouraged people to withdraw the Bitcoin from the exchange, from their own exchange. Like, you know, don't trade it on an exchange that that gives them profit, but to get off an exchange. So yeah, if someone, mm. a Bitcoin exchange is telling you, hey, get your Bitcoin off an exchange, 
uh, you kind of need to do that. So here comes our ad, Faris, and I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be subtle about it. If you need help transferring your Bitcoin from an exchange, from a third party, from whatever wallet, you need to have it in a hardware wallet. And I say, you know, as a good rule of thumb, if you've got say more than five hundred dollars. Um, you need a hardware wallet. Some hardware wallets are more expensive than others. That's a that's a discussion for another day. But you need to have it in a non-custodial wallet, a wallet that you control and only you control. Because it's not just about today. You know, you might only have five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin today, but that could be a lot worth. That could be a lot more in the future. And you might want to top that up with dollar cost averaging, buying Bitcoin every month. But essentially, at the end of the day, you need to get your Bitcoins off an exchange of third parties into a wallet that you control at bitcoinbasics.help. Thank you, Gorn. Beat me to it. All right. Now, is there anything else? I mean, we could talk about the geopolitics uh, for ages, but in terms of Bitcoin, um, any other final thoughts? No, I mean, I'm kind of a bit shell-shocked with how much is happening so quickly. And yeah, it's, yeah, I think I would not be surprised if we just see uh, a 100, 200% appreciation in the price of Bitcoin in the next few months, simply because people are starting to understand the decentralization and store of asset value that it, that it is. And to, to beat a dead horse, we talk about this a lot. We talk about decentralization all in this show. I think, and, and you say this all the time, Faris, people are really underestimating decentralization. Mm. Even, even Bitcoiners, like even some Bitcoiners, like, yeah, I've got my Bitcoin in my wallet, whatnot. And it's like, yeah, but what about everything else? You know, you've you you've got Bitcoin in a hardware wallet, but you're using Gmail and you're using Facebook mm. and you're using like all these services. Yeah. So this is something me talking to you over the years has is what I truly appreciate now. And like talking to you, I'm looking to decentralize everything. I've been using Apple products for years. Um, their planned obsolescence is something that's pissing me off at the moment. So I'm looking to move off them. So I'm looking for options where who, where my money goes as far as what I purchase, uh, how my data is stored, everything that I am. I want to know it's not going to be sold to some third parties. So with Bitcoin, it is decentralized finance. But how about my digital identity? I want something decentralized there. I'm trying to decentralize myself. Have one of me in Australia, one of me in, in Asia, <laughs> one of me in Central America. So if anyone can figure out how to do that, I would be appreciative. But yeah, that's a good point, Faris. <laughs> that's not... That's not something we want to uh, plug now, but yeah, we have a special project that goes way beyond Bitcoin and it focuses on the privacy and basically how to decentralize your data, how to control your data so that you are in 100% control of it. And that's where true privacy is. Don't think like moving from Facebook to Parler or to some of these other, you know, BitChute third parties or using a VPN saves you. It doesn't. Those, at the very least, those companies are selling your data. So mm. uh, stay tuned for our project on that. All right. Thanks, Ferris. We will see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax or any other professional advice. 
A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.